1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I want to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about a, a thought that is, that is kind of conveyed to us in this passage. That's that idea of, of worthiness. Uh, a lot of times there, this, this passage has been taken out of context to say that I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper because I'm not worthy. That's not at all what's being talked about in this passage, of course, because none of us are ever going to be worthy of the blood of Christ. None of us have ever done anything to be worthy um, for, for the death of Christ. Rather, it is an attitude that we look within ourselves and ask ourselves, are we taking of this in a worthy manner? And a lot of times what we ha have this idea of is that we are, we are to be pursuing, or we are to be perfect, excuse me, we're to be perfect if we are to, to please God. And we know that it's just not going to be the case. And Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that we have all have sinned. We've all fallen short. We're not going to be perfect. But rather... An example or, or an idea that we should be considering is the pursuit, the pursuit of perfection or the pursuit of excellence. That's what I want to talk to you about this, uh, this morning. As we've been studying uh, for the past couple weeks through 2 Peter chapter 1, we have read verses 5 through 8. That's kind of been a, a passage that we've gone back to several times. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 says, But also for this very reason... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here in Second Peter, Peter gives us these eight graces that, that go together with one another, work in conjunction with one another. And in verses 5 and verse 8, he tells us that we are to give all diligence in abounding in these, in these eight graces. Now we have seen that there is a spiritual construction project going on. Something that is being built up and it begins with faith. We talked about that last Sunday, how we build upon faith and we start with faith. Because as Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, without faith it is impossible to please Him. We also noticed that faith was the catalyst to which uh, growth begins. It's where we receive the power to be able to grow. But developing a Christ-like character does not occur by simply faith alone. To faith we must add virtue, as we see here in 2 Peter. The word add, we talked about before, it indicates that they must work together. So our virtue must be in conjunction, it must add upon, it must grow with, or go with our faith. So if we have a foundation of faith to grow in knowledge, we need to add on to that foundation, the next building block, virtue. So maybe we ask ourselves, well, what exactly is virtue? And I want to tell you first, it's a word that's rarely used in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul uses it just once, saying, if there is any virtue, meditate upon these things. Peter uses it four times, or in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, he talks about proclaiming the praises of God. It is, that word praises is the same word uh, that, that the, uh, in the Greek as the word virtue. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, We who are called by glory and virtue. And then, of course, here in 2 Peter 1, 5, he uses it, we see it twice in our text. It has been variously translated. <clears throat> excuse me. 
been variously translated in, in other passages, or in other, uh, not passages, but um, uh, translations, as goodness. In the NIV, it calls it goodness. The New American Standard calls it moral excellence. And those who have sought to explain it, commentators such as Wycliffe said that it means excellence. Uh, JFB says it's manly excellence. Uh, and Clark and Barnes both call it courage or fortitude. Now the Greek word that is used here in this passage is the word arte. It, uses, it describes a, a mental excellence or a moral quality or even a physical power. And the Greeks, they were, they were very focused on this word. You know, there was, there was a lot of, um, of emphasis placed on, on being uh, in, in the best physical shape you could be. And, and, and we see a lot of the, the, the Greek games was turned into the Olympics. Um, this was, was an important word or important concept to the Greeks. But it represents, represents a concept of, of an excellence or, or of a perfection in all phases of our life. That's what they strove to attain. They wanted mental perfection. They wanted moral perfection. They wanted physical perfection. And that's what it is. It's this, in this passage, it's talking about striving for a moral perfection. Because, <clears throat> um, because the connection between virtue and faith is that we must begin with faith. We must begin with a confidence and a trust in God. Then we must add this quality of virtue. We must add this desire for an, to excel and be strong in the faith that we have. That's the way they work together with one another. Virtue is a quality of striving for excellence in our faith-based relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. And such a quality is necessary to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, and it should be, be evident. But oftentimes we do ask the question, well, do we really need it, though? Do we really need virtue? And I want to suggest that for a spiritual life, absolutely. A spiritual life demands virtue, because without it, faith will die. James chapter 2 and verse 26 tells us faith without works is a dead faith. And so what we see is when faith is joined by virtue, or by, again, by a desire for excellence in our service to God, then our faith will become a dynamic faith. It will become full of force. It will become full of energy. Our faith will become active. So without, without virtue, our faith becomes, becomes useless. Works will follow one who is striving for excellence. And I want to say that without faith, we simply cannot grow. Growing in the knowledge of Jesus requires that we give all diligence and we give, give an a, a, a importance to, to uh, having virtues and, and abounding in, in virtue. And so when faith is joined by virtue, and again, I will say, I want to repeat, just repeat this over and over again, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about striving for perfection. When, when, when faith is joined by a striving for excellence, that's what we are seeking to be. That's what prompts us to be diligent. When we are seeking to be excellent in, in, our, in our faith, and when we're seeking to be excellent in, in our works, then we're going to give a diligent effort. We're going to be prompted to do more. And we're going to abound in all of these graces, which are the goals of our faith. But not only does our spiritual life demand virtue, discipleship demands virtue. In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, Christ taught, uh, taught this to his, to his disciples. 
Matthew 5, verse 48. It says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That was what Christ taught His disciples to strive for. You are going to be perfect. You are going to be putting all your efforts into that. And Christ died so that that could become possible. It wasn't something that was just a pipe dream to Him. It wasn't something that, that He really uh, didn't think would, would, would really come to, a, uh, to effect. He gave His life so that, we could, so that we, we could do this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 says, But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, we see that he established offices or, or, or functions within the church to ensure this striving for virtues or, or virtues or striving for excellence. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, we read a little more about, about what the Bible says about excellence and, and about virtue. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29 we read him, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul considered excellence in discipleship the objective of his ministry. That's what he was in, in, in trying to create as he ministered to others. He encouraged the Corinthians to do this. He, he told Timothy, this is the design of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, uh, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This was, this was the... The, the end, uh, or, or to the end of what Paul was trying to get across to, in, in so much of his ministry, and that we have this, this, this need and we have this ability to, to be perfect, but that means we have to be striving for it. Even though we may fall short of it, we must never forget that that's something that we are working towards. That's where we are trying to go. Now can we hope to grow as disciples, to truly come to our Savior, uh, and to know our Savior and Lord unless we add to our faith the quality of virtue. Without a strong desire for excellence, especially in our relationship with Christ, our faith will be weak, our faith will possibly die. And so, so maybe that brings up a time that we need to understand how that we develop virtue. How do we get virtue? How do we get it? And one thing that's going to stand right out is we've already read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that it's through God's Word. The purpose or the design of the Word was to make us perfect. And remember, we are encouraged to meditate upon that which contains virtue. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, as we talked about earlier. We're encouraged, if anything has virtue, to meditate upon these things. God's Word contains virtue. 
So certainly, through God's Word, we develop virtue, and we develop uh, a sense of excellence that we are striving towards. We also see it through, through example. I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, and verse 9. We read, "...the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me..." This is Paul speaking. "...the things that you have, that you have seen in me, these do." And the God of peace will be with you. Paul encourages us to emulate himself. The Holy Spirit, through, through Paul, encourages us to emulate Paul. And he described and displayed his own strivings for excellence in the passage before. Hebrews, or, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Saying, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of... Of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We need to learn some things from Paul's example here. One of the first things that I think should stand out to us is that Paul didn't consider himself as having reached it. Never consider yourself as having reached it. Never consider yourself as having got to a point where you say, okay, I've done it. There's no more need for me to strive for excellence. There's no more need for me to be in pursuit of excellence. Don't remain satisfied with the spiritual condition that you are in. Always be willing to admit that there's room for me to grow. Even if by one thing, I will strive for that. And once I have achieved that, I will find something else. I will always be searching for one or two things that I can grow in and be striving to grow in those areas. The first part of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, he says, Forget what lies behind. Don't rest on your past accomplishments. Sometimes we like to do that. We like to look back at the good things we've done and go, Man, I just, I'm going to hold that up and I'm going to keep just focusing everybody's attention on that. I'm going to focus all my attention on that. And I'm hoping that's the only thing God's going to see. I don't want to, I don't want to sound as if the things that you've done in the past, uh, the good things you've done in the past are just useless. They were great that you did those things. But we can't rest upon those. We can't, we can't put our, 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 our roots down and say, that's as far as I'm going to grow. That's all, that's all I'm going to do. We have to be willing to, look, to, to see those and then look forward to see what, we can, what else we can do, how we can continue to grow. But not only do we not rest on our past accomplishments, a lot of times we like to rest on our past mistakes. We like to look at our past mistakes and say, look at, look at how bad I, I messed up right there. That was terrible. I did a horrible job, and so I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to try again. We can't let past mistakes prevent future progress. We have to continually be forgetting the things that lied behind. We have to be looking at them and going, you know what? That happened in the past, whether good or whether bad, it happened. I'm going to be reaching forward to what lies ahead. And this involves optimism. You know, a lot of times we, we get into a very cynical or pessimistic sort of mindset. Or we, we, we just look at things and go, you know, nothing's ever going to, to be good again or nothing's ever going to go the way that I want it to. Or even when it gets, you know, in, in the ways of evangelism, no one's ever going to respond to the things that I have to say. And, and you know, I just don't feel like I'm going to have any, any use. And tying this back with looking behind, sometimes we even say, 
no, no one's going to listen to me because of the things that I've done. The past, my past life's always going to be there. We have to be optimistic if we are to be looking forward to what lies ahead because we know what lies ahead. We know the future that God has in store for those that love Him and serve Him and that should fill us with so much hope and so much desire and so much optimism to say, I, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going and I want someone to go there with me. I want you to go there with me. And, and, and that should fill us with a desire to strive to be chasing after this excellence and to be bringing as many people there with us. <clears throat> and then we press on. We never give up. You know, my boys, they, they really do know the, the meaning of pressing on. And they always do it when they're pressing my buttons. I don't know how many times, even, even just this morning, when we were, we were they, they were, you know, going back and forth, weren't fighting, they were playing with one another, but we were like, okay, keep your volume down. They turned their volume down a little bit. And then they, it gets back up, and then it's like, okay, just, you know what, I, I can't take it anymore. Everybody be quiet. And so then, then they're quiet for a while. And, uh, and they just, they have this ability, though, to just be persistent, even though they, they aren't trying to, to do anything um, disrespectful uh, or displeasing to us, and they are not displeasing to us at all. But, but they are persistent. And, and I like to look at that, and I like to go, you know what, I need a little bit of what Ryder and Easton and Madden have in persistence. I need that, and I need to take that, and I need to put that into my life and into my attempts to please God and to serve Him and to serve others. I need to not give up. Just when someone says, no. When someone says, I won't do that. When I take the message to someone and they say, that's not for me. When I speak the truth and people turn the other way, we must press on. We must not give up. We must be like a runner in an endurance race. Hebrews chapter 12 is speaking of that. Again, so much of, of, of the Greek mentality. You know, the, the, the New Testament is written primarily in, in the Greek, and so much of that mentality is, is found in there. And that was a, a huge mindset in that day of, of this idea of, of athletic supremacy and athletic uh, perfection. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to develop this mindset. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking that, that will permeate our, our brains, will permeate our thought process, so that when Satan loves to get in there and, and try to, to, to hold us down and to turn our minds away from what we know is the truth and from, from the hope that we have in God, and he wants to turn us back, we say, no. No, I am pressing on. I have somewhere I have to be, and that is, that is uh, in, a, in a situation that is pleasing to God, and I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to strive for that. I'm going to run after that. And I'm going to display that. I'm going to display that in my, in my personal lives. But I'm going to ask myself this. 
This is a question that I'm studying for this lesson. I have to ask myself, and I hope that you all ask yourself as well. Does my daily walk with God, does it suggest that I am striving for excellence? Am I seeking to excel in a relationship with God? So a lot of times, we, we, as we talked about, we want to rely on, on maybe past successes. You know, I used to study the Bible really well. I don't really feel like I have a need to study it as much. I've, I've, I've read the whole Bible. I spent a whole year and I read the whole Bible. I don't really think like I have a need to, to keep doing that. Do we seek to excel in our relationship with Him? Certainly we should be reading His Word and we should doing, be doing it daily. That's the way in which we listen to Him. But not only do we listen to Him, listen to him do we pray without ceasing? Do we talk to Him? Are we in a daily conversation with God? What about our service to Him? Are we seeking to excel in that? Are we determined that we are going to develop our talents? So many times we look at that, that, that parable, the talents, and we say, you know what, I, God just he didn't give me any talents. I wish I could be like the one guy that He gave a whole bunch of talents to, uh, he just gave me the one, and that's, that's all that I'll ever have. God expects us to develop our talents. And sometimes we might not realize it, that we're a two, three, four talent type person. We've only found this one, and that's the only one that we've focused on, and we're never going to focus anywhere else. And if we are a one talent person, that's great. We are going to live and do that one talent to the very best of our ability, but we are never going to be content to say, I'm done. We're going to continue to be looking and going, what else can I do? If there's something else that I, that I might be better at, I'm going to start working on trying to increase that in me. And this is the only thing I can do, then I'm going to keep working on making this one thing better and better. We must not only find our talents, we must not be determined to grow them, but we, we must be determined to use them. To use what God has supplied us to be, to be a a greater service to Him, to be a greater service to those around us. If we add virtue to our personal walk of faith, and I want to tell you something, not only, not only is it going to be uh, really good for us, not only is it going to, to increase our knowledge of the Lord, increase our knowledge in Christ, but in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 and 16, we see that it's going to have an effect on others. Verse 13 says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. It's going to be evident to others. Others are going to see. So oftentimes we want to, we want to know how we, how we can show the world that, that we that we believe in Christ. Sometimes we have this mentality that we kind of want to brag a little bit and show that, that we, are, we, are, we are so knowledgeable of, of God and of His Scriptures. But what God says is to show and to be evident of others, it's going to show in the virtue. It's going to show in the works that we do and in the striving for excellence in, in, in serving God and in serving others. It's not going to show in, in how many Bible verses I can quote with the Bible close. It's not going to show in how quickly I can flip to the passages. There's a reason I've got thumbtacks on the side of my, uh, or, or indexes on the side of my, my Bible, because I'm not very fast at flipping to the passages. But that's not what's going to show others that we are growing in the knowledge of Jesus. So we read here, it's going to be evident when we add virtue to our personal walk in faith.
Not only do we want to ask or realize that it displays in our personal lives and in the service that we show to others, but it also is displayed in our Bible studies and in our assemblies. Does our involvement in the service and the work of the church suggest that we are striving for excellence? Or does our involvement suggest that, again, we are just content to, to just be, be where we are? I've, I've plopped myself down here in this race. I've, I've, I've ran pretty far, and I've said this is a good place for me to stop. A good place for at the end. It's at the finish line where we are striving to, to, to reach. We must never decide halfway into the race that, you know what, I've, I've, I've went as far as I feel like going. We have to keep on. Do we utilize opportunities to increase our faith? We can do this by, by attending the Bible studies that we offer. Right now we have, we have a study going on. Richard's doing an excellent job on the parables, and I'm growing. I am growing by being here and by hearing the conversation that others are having and by by studying through these myself. It is helpful to me. We must must not be content to say, I'm good. I don't need that. We must say, no, I I understand that that I, I maybe have a good understanding of the Bible and I know what's going on, but I'm not content to be just what I am. I want to strive. I want to chase after. I want to pursue excellence. So I'm going to take time, and I'm going to prepare myself, and I'm going to be active. What about, what about in encouraging others? Do we take time to exercise opportunities to encourage others and to, to find out what's going on in their lives and how we can lift them up? One of the best ways we can do that, one of the easiest ways we can do that, I might say, is by just being here attending the assemblies of the congregation, by participating in the services, by participating in exhorting one another, both before and after services. If we have added virtue to our public walk of faith, we will again be an example worthy of others to emulate. Philippians 3.17, again, as Paul was saying, the Christian adds virtue to their faith. And does not remain static. A lot of times that's what I feel like we, we, we get into. When, when you think back to, I don't think they have this on TV anymore, but there was a time when, when nothing was on, you had a static image. Now, at least on our TV at home, it's just a blank image. But, but you can remember a time, I can remember a time when, when we would go to, to turn to a station and, and there would be nothing but static on the TV. And a lot of times we, we consider ourselves like that. Maybe at one time there was an image of Christ that was displayed in us. But over time, it's turned to static. We can't be content to just stay where we are. We need to pursue. We need to strive for excellence. When a Christian adds virtue to their faith, they're more likely to add the other qualities to their faith that we've talked about in Second Peter. Knowledge, self-control. All these come from striving for excellence. They're not going to come if we're just content to go, I'm good. But we have to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let us seek to add faith, and to our faith, the quality of virtue. This morning, this morning as we have sat here, if you realize that there is, there is something missing in your life, there is a hole in your life that you've been trying to fill over time, and you've tried so many things to fill that hole. Maybe you've, you've, you've turned to, to your friends and think that with, with my friends and my popularity, I'll be happy. And you find, well, no, there's, there's still something missing. Maybe you've turned to, to the world 
and to, to various sorts of, of vices and, and, and alcohol and drugs so many times that this world says that's what you need to feel good. But no, there's still something missing. You've turned to, to money and found that you're still broke. Maybe you've turned to food. Find that you're still hungry. We are empty. And Christ has nothing more than to de- a desire to fill us. We have to let Him in. And that, that, that process of letting Him into our lives and being filled with Christ, is, as we're going to sing in just a moment, it's only a step. And it's something that we continue walking on. When we, when we consider the idea of the race, that race has to start at some point. There has to be a time when, when we say in our lives, go. And I'm going to begin this race. And I'm going to begin running towards the end, that, that thankful, beautiful day of reward with God. But it starts with a step. And each step has to come after another. It has to be followed by another. The first step in coming to God is to, is to believe in Him. To believe that He exists, to have faith that He is real. If we believe that and we are willing to confess that to, to, to those that are like-minded, yes, we confess that with our mouths before men, but to confess it with our lives each and every day that I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And not only do I believe that He has saved me from my sins, I believe that He is my Lord. He is my King and I will serve Him. If we will believe and if we will confess, we will find it easy to repent to turn our hearts and our minds away from things of this world and to focus ourselves on God. And in doing so, we'll take that next step, that, that step of submission and obedience through baptism. And so oftentimes we kind of think it stops there. That's where I, that's where I plot myself down at, in, at. Coming up, being raised new out of the blood of Christ, but it doesn't stop there. We must pursue excellence. If, if there's anything that we can do this morning to help you start this, this walk of faith, or if you have taken those first steps, but have realized that you've become static, and you need to activate your faith again, please, won't you come forward right now and let it be known as we stand and as we sing.